So this is going to be, I think, a fun episode to talk about that we're mm-hmm. about to, to speak on. Uh, so I thought I would start the episode by having kind of a, a real kind of existential downer of a topic to discuss uh, briefly before oh uh, we start talking. So I don't know if you saw, this is like, uh, I think last year that William Shatner went into space. Did you hear about this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, he took, he took like a, a Blue Origin rocket. That's that's the people, that's like the company that's owned by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Uh, he took a Blue Origin rocket up into space. And I think he felt very honored. And, you know, as much as I don't like Jeff Bezos, it's like, I guess that's cool that he got to go to space. And, and he's an interesting... Like, I'm not talking about Kirk. I'm talking about William Shatner is, like, an mm-hmm. interesting character, I think, in the Star Trek mythos. Would you say that's, like, a fair way to Yes, he has him? very much, be- like, there is sort of the, like, legend of William Shatner, I feel like, has become its own thing. Where it's, like, I think you can't, he's, like, is he hero or is he villain or, like, I mean, he has to be something in between, really. You know, it's, like, he, he... He clearly, like, was difficult to work with for some people and, like, kind of a, a jerk in, in a lot of ways. And, and certainly, even I would say, like, at times had an overinflation of his own talent, you know, if you look at, you know, his attempts at directing or, or things like that. But also, like, or I do think... writing or... Yeah. Yeah, but also at the same time, I do think, like, a very talented performer in the exact mode of what he was being asked to do. Like, I, certainly, like, watching... Rewatching old Star Trek, old original series episodes with you has really made me be like, yeah, he really was doing, he was really doing it. Like he, he, he's just as important to like that show being a success, I think, as Leonard Nimoy is, you mm-hmm. know. And even if Leonard Nimoy is given like a quote unquote better performance, I think he, I think Shatner is very. Yeah, I mean, he he made it what it was. Yeah, and like you know, it's funny even now like, he's one of I think he's he's one of what only two I think original series cast members who are still alive. Um, it's just him and Takei now. Yeah, and he is I believe now ninety one years old, and you know it's like he'll say something, he'll talk about how like new Star Trek wouldn't that Gene wouldn't like it or whatever, and people are like oh he's such an angry old man. And it's like yeah you know but you know he is old, like it's. You can't expect people like most people who are really old. They're they're not always like up with the times, but like at the same time, you see him and he'll, you know, like he was arguing with a bunch of people. I remember like on his ninetieth birthday, I was on his Twitter and 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 he was arguing with a bunch of people about like autism or something. But like uh-huh. I was reading, but I was but I was reading about what he was saying, and it was like he wasn't like saying that like vaccines cause autism or something. It was like he was like quibbling over like this finer point where I was like I do think hmm. his heart's in the right place even if he's not necessarily 100% correct I don't know like it, it but like he's just like a just like a, a strange interesting guy where it's just like I think yeah. he like I I'd ultimately like really appreciate like what he's given Star Trek and, and like I think that like if you're going to be a weird cantankerous dude like Sure, you know, like, 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 like at like, some point you've earned that, right? You take the good, you take the bad, and you know, not everybody can be like, like honestly, like, sure, George Takei is nicer, but I think he also has his own like weird, complicated legacy. Like, like I, I'm glad that I don't, ha- I don't have to see like, like th- that during like when I was on Facebook, I didn't every other day have to see William Shatner posting like weird resistance memes like George Takei was doing during that time mm-hmm. either. Like, so you know, everybody's got their own. pluses and minuses but all this to say that like this is another kind of like interesting chapter in the book of like 
of William Shatner for me is that he just wrote a book. Now he and he co-wrote a book with um, there's co-author. And so who knows how much the co-author actually wrote this, what I'm about to read. co wrote a book called Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder, co-authored by uh, Josh Brandon. And this, this book came out in October, which is like a few days ago when we're talking about, uh, is when it came out, but it'll be out for a couple months by the time that we, that this episode airs. But um, Variety posted like a little uh, segment of the book. Uh, at the section where he's talking about going to space. And I found it like, I read the whole thing. I'm only going to read a little bit of it, but I found it like weirdly affecting and like well-written. And again, like maybe I should be praising Josh Brandon, but certainly like, I, you know, I'm sure Shatner at least felt some of these things and like was describing it to him and, you know, who knows. Yeah, yeah. I feel like usually like memoirs type things are, yeah, it's like the person's memories and then someone like yeah kind of punches up the writing, yeah. And he basically is talking about how he went to space and that he kind of expected to have, like, this moment of, like, I'm in Star Trek now. You know, or like, like this is, this is like, hmm. kind of, like, yeah. the real-life, you know, version of the thing that I was doing and, like, I should feel, like, the appropriate feelings. And then he doesn't. And I'm going I'm to read a couple paragraphs hmm. of it, if that's okay. So he says... I, th- I thought that going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of that connection I had been looking for between all living things. That being up there would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe. In the film Contact, when Jodie Foster's character goes to space and looks out into the heavens, she lets out an astonished whisper. They should have sent a poet. I had a different experience because I discovered that the beauty isn't the beauty isn't out there, it's down here with all of us. Leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I have ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of Earth below me filled me with overwhelming sadness. Every day we are confronted with the knowledge of further destruction of Earth at our hands. The extinction of animal species, of flora and fauna, things that took five billion years to evolve and suddenly we will never see them again because of the interference of mankind. It filled me with dread. My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. Instead, it felt like a funeral. So he talks about that for a while and he kind of says that that's a thing that he's learned since then that like a lot of astronauts have felt something similar to that that basically that like they go up there and like earth seems so fragile and like the things that we fight out fight over down here seem so stupid and mm-hmm. it's insignificant and and he kind of like ends we should it. be trying to like save this whole thing yeah and that's basically what he says is that like ultimately like he felt hopeful because he was like if only we can get past this we could fix things you know and that's kind of his yeah. his his like final message in the thing but I, I just that was really interesting like yeah that's very insightful i feel like yeah and for someone who does like sometimes seem a little bit like a stanley type figure in the sense that like he is sort of willingly corporatized his self you know, like the mm-hmm. sense of self has become like this, you know, where he still goes to conventions, which is fine. But like, you know, he's also like the Priceline guy and he's someone who who I think like oftentimes you you it's hard to see like a real vulnerability there, like that he's really letting people in on like how he actually is as a, as a guy, you know. And yeah, it was just like an interesting little thing to read where I was like, this feels like a real thing that he's expressing that I would not necessarily expect him to say based on like what I know about him. Um, so I just thought that was like a, an interesting, I don't know. I, I, I was like, that's yeah, a, a really yeah. cool kind of thing to read, honestly. <laughs> so I would say props to William Shatter. Maybe I will read that book. I, not something I would normally think about reading, but I was like, that's 
well written and like so, sort of insightful. So. Hi everybody and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And uh, despite our cold open, we are not talking about the original <laughs> series or really anything that is like particularly existential. Although yeah. I guess this episode does sort of sort of involve death, but it turns out not really. Does it? Uh, um, this episode is called Who Mourns for Mourn. Uh, it's DS9 Season 6, Episode 12. It is written by Mark Garrett O'Connell, I think is how you say that name, and directed by Victor Lobel. And the, the memory alpha description of it is, Morn dies, leaving his entire estate to Quark, but some of Morn's old acquaintances want a piece of the action. Well, there's a little bit of a tie-in to the original series, is a piece of the action. But, yeah. Um, this episode also, I will say, maybe has... My new single prop from a Star Trek show that I would most want to own, which is the 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 portrait of Morn that is placed. Oh, uh, oh, that'd be great yeah. uh, in the funeral, uh, Morn's funeral or memorial service. Um, yeah, well, I would love to own that, or or even just like a a facsimile of that would be a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, to, I want, that would be possess. something like I feel like they would have success selling. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to scroll down. You know, uh, something that you see a lot on, on the Memory Alpha things is like the this thing was sold during the It's a Wrap auction that they did after Enterprise. Yeah, or, yeah like a Enterprise costume ended. or like a piece of jewelry someone wears or something, yeah. But it, th- there's no mention of it because the, a Latin and brick from this episode was sold off during the It's a Wrap sale and auction, but apparently hmm. not the um, the Morn not portrait. Not the Morn portrait. Yeah, but... I will say though that that's like a very like this episode is so goofy and silly. Like I, I'm curious, like if you thought it was too dumb, because I think it almost rides that line. But I, I enjoyed it, and like one of the dumb things I liked about it was like the running gag about how Quark thinks that gold is worthless. <laughs> sure, although that did so that did get me like I, I think it is like a fun sort of like little like joke that they do because um, because basically he. He kind of sets like sows the seed of it earlier in the episode, and he's talking about how like so that because there's a thing I don't know if it ex- even existed before Deep Space Nine, but basically like whenever Quark is talking about money, kind of like what he's trying to get is what's what he calls gold pressed latinum, which I think this is the episode where they explain they kind of yeah I feel means. like they. I've never heard this explained before, but they kind of go into the lore of gold pressed latinum, which is basically like latinum is a liquid that's like very, very valuable. And then at some point someone came up with the idea of basically using like gold bars to contain it. Um, And the joke is that like, oh, like gold is just kind of this like worthless metal that people dig out of the ground and we don't know what to do with it. So what if we use it to like hold the actual valuable thing, Latin. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, like, maybe, maybe, like, at some point when, like, people were out exploring, they discovered that, like, gold is just really common on other planets. You know, because, like, that's why gold is valuable here is because it's somewhat rare. You know, like, so maybe, like, they, they went to, like, a, a like a King Midas-style planet where, like, just there's gold all over the it's place. It's just, like, so. what the dirt is made out of, and you're just like, okay, well, now that there's so much gold, it's not worth anything. Maybe there's only one planet where there's latinum, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, do you, you've read, like, the, all of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the oh, Galaxy, yeah. like, yeah, books yeah, in yeah. that, right? 
because <laughs> like, there's there's the one where they're like colonizing like prehistoric Earth, mm-hmm. and they decide to use leaves as currency, but then they realize that like oh, yeah. they're <laughs> everywhere, and so they have an inflation problem, so they burn all the forests down. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I I need to reread those books. I sh- yeah, I was th- every now and then I think about that. So it's good. Like I feel like I would get a lot more than I did when I was in like high school or whatever. I read them so much. I used to read them like once a year when I was like in my late teens and early twenties. So I think I I stopped for a while, but I I would like to go back and reread them. Anyway. Um, But yeah, it did, it did make me start thinking about it and then start to wonder like if gold is really worthless, why did Ferengi try to, uh, have like a heist of Fort Knox, <laughs> right? <laughs> Unless good... they maybe they keep something different there in the future. I don't know. Uh, I want. I, I'm sure that there's a. Uh, let's. I'm, I'm gonna look that up on Memory Alpha while we're talking because I'm sure that there's some sort of note about that in on Memory Alpha. Yeah. So yes, there's definitely a Fort Knox entry in in. Uh, yes, Memory that, Alpha. That's not at all surprising. Um. Okay. So. Yeah. So it doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's, so it says that. It sa- it's it mentions that two Ferengi try to take it, but it doesn't it doesn't mention that like it isn't that it wouldn't be valuable. Um Wait, but no no, but it says as of the twenty okay, so so it says as of the twenty three seventies. So the the heist happened in the twenty three sixties is when this happened. So um so the twenty second century, that would be the twenty three hundreds, right? It'd be the twenty one hundreds. The twenty one hundreds. Right, because... Right, yeah. So, yeah. so the twenty one hundred. So Fort Knox was turned into a museum in the twenty one hundreds. So when they tried to heist it, oh, okay, there was so no money in gold. there. So there was something. It must have been something else in there of value. Um, okay, got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> they were trying to heist. Although I'm sure that like that's probably when it was written. Like they that was not probably the 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 implication that the writers were trying to uh, right. To, to make, but it, I guess still technically it, it works canonically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so yeah, none of that is is happens in this episode. Um, right. But basically, the episode like starts and then most. So a good part of this episode is basically just a like fully continuing like to its limits the running gag that. Like Morn, who is, and you you may be able to kind of like better explain this. But basically, Morn is kind of a fixture, of, like this this guy that's this alien guy that's always in Quark's bar, and is just kind of like sit. So at least at first, is just always kind of like sitting at the bar drinking, and is kind of just like a background character, like part of the scenery almost. Then kind of they start up this running gag that like whenever the other characters talk about him. It's about, like, because he never, I don't think ever speaks in the whole series, but everyone talks about him as though he's, like, this, like, really, like, gregarious personality that, like, never shuts up, yeah, and, like, has all these crazy adventures and talks all the time. Yeah, it's, so his name is, it's it's a mix-up of the name Norm, like, the idea being that, like, he's supposed to be, like, Norm from Cheers, um, who is like this? This guy, this like big dude who like is always found drinking at the bar. Now, mm. obviously, Norm talks and in Cheers, but like, and, and I think Iris Stephen Barrett says, says you know, has also like 
I've not really watched Fraser, so I, Fraser, so I might actually say this character's name wrong. But there's a character named uh, Maris or Maris. I, I think it's, uh, is it Maris? I think. Um, I think it's Maris. That's his ex-wife, right? Yeah. So she's never seen on the show, but people are always talking about how she has a unique physical appearance. Um, and so it's. Kind of, I think that's kind of like the the bit about how he won't shut up. But yeah, he. You're right. He never speaks on the show. They originally the original plan was for him to have to say the last line of dialogue in the entire show, which I think would have been really funny, which they, not, they, they did not end up doing. But yeah, he's in a bunch of... I wonder how many episodes he's in. He's in a lot of the show. And I would say relatively early on, actually, they start interacting with him. And like, like there'll be episodes where he, you know, he, he's like listening as, as Jadzia is talking to him or something like that. So like he, he's, a, he's a relatively like... Not an important character, but he... But kind of a fixture, yeah. Yeah, he's in 93 episodes of DS9. Um, oh, wow. Of yeah, so yeah, he's in a lot of... 173? Yeah, he's in a, he's in a lot. And um, he's also in one of the TNG DS9 crossover episodes. He's also in the Voyager, the, the pilot of Voyager, where they go to DS9. And as we just saw recently, yeah, he's, 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 in in, the... he's in the Lower Decks uh, episode, or DS9 episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which he still doesn't say anything in. So, yeah, he. So I, I really like him. I think he's. I think he looks. He's got a great look. He's a. He's a Lurian. He's a. He. I really like the way he looks. And then yeah, I think he's. He's funny and like I don't know. It's it's like obviously the makeup's doing a lot of the work, but I do think that the actor, um, uh, Mark Allen Shepard, I do think that he, like, knows the little amount that like to to do that is like funny. Like I don't know. I think mm-hmm. he, he. It's it's a good performance too. So. Yeah, which, which at least in this episode, yeah, I, I like. I really liked the the sort of last scene that, I guess, spoiler alert, he's in. Yeah, because he's not in this episode almost at all. There are other episodes that are not about him that he's in significantly more yeah. than this one. Um, <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's the other big stupid running gag in this. Besides the gold that's worthless, is yeah, is everyone talking about how, or how 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 Morn was was so talkative and yeah and jolly, you know. Um, I guess he's in the beginning too, when the, the hologram. He, I mean, is, the actor's is, in the beginning at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, so it starts out with just like they're in Quark's bar, and uh, I think Odo comes in and tries like talking to Morn because it just it starts out with just like Morn sitting at the bar and Quark's like behind the bar, and Odo comes in and like starts trying to say something to Morn, and Morn just sits there, and Quark tells him, "Oh, this is just a hologram to look like Morn." Uh, that I put in because like Morn's been off on like a business trip, but people are so used to seeing him that like when Morn's not there, like business in the bar actually goes down. Mm-hmm. So I like installed this Morn hologram so it always looks like he's sitting there in his chair, um, and like people are more comfortable. And then Dax and Cisco come in and are first like kind of shocked that Morn's there, and they're just like, "No, he's just a hologram," and and then. Basically, Cisco tells Quark that Morn died. Like his, like he was off in his ship, and the ship hit an ion storm and and was destroyed. I'm going to try to avoid, by the way, like talking about. There's a couple things that in this episode that made me think about the the lower decks episode of. Oh yeah, but I'm going to try to avoid talking about it because I think we'll probably okay. talk about that relatively in depth when like yeah i'm sure that'll be one of the main ones when we, we talk, talk about, about yeah which that episode will have already aired by the time 
the, the, the special on Lower Deck season three oh, okay. will have already aired yeah. by the time that this comes out. So yeah, uh, let's let's not let's let's try to avoid uh, okay that. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and so so Quark kind of hosts this big funeral for Morn in his bar, in like a very kind of Quark fashion, where it's all just like it's it, it's one of the like I feel like Armin Schumann does it such a good job with Quark that you can tell when like he does really care, but just because it's like always like it's kind of like the the episode we did a while ago where they think that O'Brien and Bashir have died. Yeah, I was thinking about that same thing. That's what O'Brien And, like, they're sitting at his bar, and he's like, the best thing I can say about them is that they were, like, they were really good customers and always paid their tabs on time. And it's one of those things that, like, I feel like there's one reaction where you're just like, oh, he's, like, heartless, and, like, all he cares about is money, and, like... But it's, it's actually... For whatever reason, and I don't know if it's Armin Shimmerman or just the writing of that character, like, you can tell that, like, that actually is a, like, very sincere, like, heartfelt thing from him. Yeah. Um, And I feel like it's the same thing. Like, because in this one, he's always, you know, he's just kind of looking at, like, how he can profit from this. And, you know, like, he uses Morn's funeral to just, like, sell a bunch more drinks and then does this whole kind of bit at the end where he's, like this was Morn's chair and like, you know, I think the best, uh, the best honor, the best way to honor, the, the to honor him. him. <laughs> yes. is to keep more, keep it warm for Morn. I, I think is what he said, which is basically that like, there should always be people like someone sitting in this chair buying drinks from me. Um, but you can, but yeah, it's one of those, like, I, I can't quite put my finger on like why, like it still feels like he, it does actually, like yes, he's kind of like playing it up and and just trying to take advantage of it, but you could tell he also like cares that his friend dies. Yeah, maybe I'm totally. just making that up. But no, yeah. I, I I felt the exact same way, honestly. Like that's I was thinking about that same episode, even like where, yeah, it's like he. It's funny because I think like eventually he like gets over it. Like once once he's like, all right, I have to put my grief aside. Once I understand that like I can be getting a lot of money out of out of something. Yeah. But like I do agree though I think I think it's like kind of a it, there there's like a nice line that he's writing like I think that I think I think he's like Sherman is like one of one of the more talented I don't know I don't want to say that one of the more talented because like I think most of the performers on, on that cast are are, are very good at, at what they're yeah. what they're doing but like yeah he really I don't no, know no I agree yeah he's I think he's definitely a, like a highlight like a very top tier type of guy yeah so yeah and so then after the funeral he finds out that uh in Morn's will he was named sort of like the soul like he gets everything that belonged to Morn. and then there's kind of this this bit where odo kind of gleefully takes him around the station showing him all the stuff that he's gotten that all ends up being pretty much worthless he's like oh yeah you get all this stuff and then takes him to cargo bay and, you're, and he's just like this is everything he had and it's just these big cargo containers that are full of like spoiled beets and he's like oh here i'll show you you get like his room and everything that's in his room and quirk's like oh he must have kept every like all of his wealth in his room and his room is just a giant like mud bath yeah um and he's just like i got a bunch of mud and then odo is clearly like just very happy to be like screwing over quirk um 
and leaves him in the room. And then, like, as soon as Odo leaves, a, like, naked woman comes out of the mud bath. <laughs> this, we were, yeah, which is, like, that, that was quite the gamble that woman was taking. Because she, cause she explains that, like, she was, she was like, underwater there. for, yeah. Yeah, uh, she was in there, and then, like, so she heard someone came in, so she she decided to hold her breath underwater. I was like, man, that could have broken pretty bad for you. Or, yeah. or, like, just imagine, or even just, like, if she if she had popped up, like, while Odo was still in there, you know, like. <laughs> right. But, yeah, and so, like, she's like, oh, I'm Morn's wife, or ex-wife, and then, like, basically tries to seduce Quark into sharing everything that Morn had with her. Um, but she, what she reveals is that, like, Morn also had a a thousand bricks of latinum that he had, like, won in a lottery or something. And so, basically, it's just like, we should, like, get it together and share it. And Quark kind of, like, goes along a little bit and agrees to give her 10%, I think. And so, they figure out that it's in a, like, a safety deposit box, I think, Mm -hmm. in the station. And so... Quark goes and like gets the safe deposit box and is just like I'm so excited it's gonna be my latinum and then it just ends up being one brick um and so again like Odo gets to do the thing where he's just like here's your little box and like I'll bet you be disappointed by that but then on the back of it apparently is written down like a a bank account number at the the Bolian bank yeah um where that has the rest of the gold or the platinum, I guess, not the gold. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I enjoyed all of this business. I, I thought it was very funny that, like, it, there's, like, a period of, like, ten minutes, it feels like, where he just keeps on, like, being, like, Getting oh, yes, like, this would be good. And then, yeah. and then like, it's not, yeah, it's not what he thinks it's going to be. It's very goofy, but. Uh. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it is one of those, it's one of those episodes that, like, I think the suspension of disbelief you have to do is that is just that like you know that the way the show is going to go that like Quark is not is going to is like not going to end up with a like fortune right, right. like Quark's going to end up not getting anything and Morn is going to end up not being dead. He got something though. He he did he he, he did, did. Uh, he gets a little bit of he gets, he gets a good amount of money at the end. Yeah, he does. Um but yeah, like that just kind of like in general you're just like okay, like there's not going to be like this like windfall thing for like court. I don't know. It was one of those you you kind of have to like put aside that like it's a fairly predictable episode I feel like, but if you can be okay with that, it's still a lot of fun to watch it actually happen. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, uh although I guess I don't know. It is like late enough in the season that there was a small part of me that like I wonder if they do actually kill off Morn. Well, I mean, they do. They they kill off Jadzia only like twelve episodes later. Yeah, that's that's true. All right, but that would be sad. Like a couple, just a couple. There's a couple of scenes we had the beginning. That was like a fun little scene uh, at the beginning. Oh, with her and Worf. When she and Worf are going to the memorial service, and like she's like, I had a crush on. I used to have a crush yeah. on Morn, and he's like, but he he like turned me down. Like, <laughs> she, he's so upset at this information. Yeah. And and it is one of those that just like is like a couple of lines kind of in passing like it's like as they're going, and he's like what and then they like cut away and then like in a different scene 
like Jedzia and Worf kind of like walk past and Worf's like, no, no, we're going to talk about this now. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Jedzia is only in this episode a little bit, but I really enjoyed her in her scenes. Like, cause she's also in that scene yeah. where she's playing. I just love when she's playing. What's that game called? I forgot what the name oh, of the Tongo. Yeah. I really like when she's playing Tongo. Is with- there, I, every time it happens, I want to look into this. Like, are there, has someone since like pieced together the rules of, like, can you actually play Tongo? I don't know. I was I was talking to Kim about that uh, when we were watching, and I was like, I want to know how to play this game. Um, yeah, I'm very intrigued by it. Like, it seems like the kind of thing that could be very fun. Yeah, but I... I but Yeah, it's, I love that she has her own money that she uses, that she has to gamble. Like, like Just for gambling with yes. her. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the basically, we're kind of, like, gradually introduced to this kind of cast character because then uh, court goes back to his room and there are these like two brothers that are just this very like kind of like mafia type of like oh we uh we wouldn't want anything to to happen to you would you brother and the brother's like no we wouldn't although then the the other brother ends up being like my favorite part of the episode I'm pretty sure. Oh, the the one who the who the like, like the, muscle one, yeah. Yeah, the well the so that, that that guy's name. So I think the the non-muscle one is named Crit, I think, and then his brother okay. is named Nosk, I think. Um, I wanted to look up what their uh, they 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 never say their race. They they look similar to other uh, aliens we've seen. I think. Yeah, but, they look like like something familiar, but yeah, I couldn't. But then. <laughs> I thought that the 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 smart one, or, uh, which I again I, I believe is Crit, he sounded like Christian Slater to me, like really, and I was like, is this a person? Like, but it, it's Brad Green- Greenquist, who I think is uh, he's been in a few episodes of of Star Trek. Um, oh, okay, but like one uh, of those, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see, but he's not like super famous otherwise or anything, so I don't know. Interesting. Um, but yeah, but he's he's trying to do this very, like, I'm acting friendly, but also, like, threatening to beat you up the whole time. And then, or, like, he's threatening, like, my brother will beat you up. And then his brother, like, smashes a painting over Quark's head. Um, and they they leave. And they, and they basically, like, convince him. They're just like, we know Morn had a thousand pieces of gold-pressed latinum, and, like, we think we should have it, and they Quark kind of, like, negotiates with them down to, like, I think they get 50%, and he's already agreed to give Laurel 10%. <laughs> but then, like, he meets them later in the elevator, and Crit is still trying to, like, threaten him, and he's like, my brother's got something to tell you. And then Nosk is just like, I'm really sorry for putting that painting over your head. Like yeah. sometimes I just get really angry. <laughs> um, I don't know. He's, he's one of those that like, and they, they kind of like later, like just play into like, he's kind of like the dumb one, but I really liked that scene where he like, even after crit like threatens him again. And like Quark is like walking away down the, the hallway. Nask is like, no, but I really am sorry though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just loved him. I can't tell you exactly why, but, he was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And then basically, like, Quirk has kind of figured out, you know, he's gotten this account number and is going to, like, arrange to make the, to get the, the Latinum shipped to, shipped to them. And then he goes back to his quarters again. And this time there's uh, a guy there who claims to be a cop, basically. Um, 
who's like i forget what the brothers sort of like story is i i, I think just that like morn owed them money yeah yeah um and then the 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 cop is like so morn was actually like the crown prince of his planet and he had like agreed like he had decided to give up his right to the throne but like his inheritance or like this is why he had like a thousand dollars or a thousand bricks of latinum yeah um and like all these other people are just like the the wife and the brothers are just like con people that are trying to that are trying to take his money and like if you want to like you know what what you need to do is work with me and like help me sort of recover the money and then we'll give you a reward um because it actually belongs to like the the Lurian royal family. kingdom of Lurian yeah. yeah um and then eventually they all like end up in the same room they have the very the kind of sort of tropey thing where like one of them's in the room and then like someone else is at the door and so he like has Lorel like hide in a closet and then like the brothers come in and then the the cop is at the door so he has the brothers like hide behind these bushes and kind of everyone like ends up in the room at the same time and all like threatening each other and basically what the truth ends up being that they sort of end up revealing is that all of them including Morn were part of a like crime gang that planned the off this like the the Lesepian Mother's Day heist. Yes. Um where which is this sort of like famous, you know, like everyone knows and like has heard about this thing and it's these you know, these criminals made off with with this thousand bricks of latinum and like no one knows what happened to them. So they're all like now like apparently Morn has been keeping it all and they're they're all trying to get it now. And so they're like, okay, the like the shipments here. We'll all like go get it together, and then we'll just split it five ways. Well, well, first they're gonna they want to kill. Yeah, Quark yeah. They're they're like, well, we don't really need Quark for any of this. And the other like big thing with here is that that's right. That the reason, basically, like the reason they all showed up now is that they all had to, like there's a statute of limitations apparently on heisting. Um, so they were like, after nine years, like, then we can't be charged with the crime anymore. So they were like keeping the money hidden until, until now. And they're like, oh yeah, like that statute of limitations just passed two weeks ago, which is like when Morn had left on his business trip. Um, and ended up dying. And so they're like, so now like we can get the money and spend it and like nothing bad can happen to us. So that's why we all like came to get it. And Quark convinces them that, like, oh, like, you need to keep me alive because the money's being shipped to me. So, like, I have to be the one to, like, use my thumbprint to accept it at the cargo bay to be able to, like, open the container. Um, well, they were, at first they're like, well, let's just cut off his thumb. But then but then they're like, wait a minute. Well, if we just, if we just show up with a thumb, that's going to be, that's going to look. <laughs> yeah, like, no one's going to, no one's going to go with that. Uh, and so yeah, so they they like go to the cargo bay and open up the container and it has all these bricks of latinum in it, and then they like all of them start like fighting and trying to kill each other, and Quark like dives down into like he hides in the container, um, and eventually like Odo comes and arrests everybody, and is just like well it looks like they were all criminals so this like this container belongs to you, and then Quark like picks up one of the bricks. 
or he picks up two of them and like cl- goes to like clink them together and it just makes this kind of like thud sound and he like realizes that they're all just like kind of they all just kind of crumble as like powder gold and they don't have any latinum in them and he like cries because he's like all i have is a bunch of gold which is worthless yeah a bunch of worthless gold yeah i liked this whole scene because did you say that the reason why that it gets into a, a fight it, like, like they all uh a- after he unlocks the thing all of the criminals point their guns at each other and then like there's a nice little bit of like direction where you're seeing like the, you're seeing this shot from inside of the of the thing where the, the the bricks are right and then yeah and you're and it's like like quark's like peering in through the hole so you're like looking at quark's face yeah yeah and um you're looking at his face and then you see uh everybody point uh, behind him like points their guns at each other and then like he, he stands back up and they're all pointing their guns at him yeah as he kind of like backs up but then also um that like the reason why it erupts into the gunfight is because Crit finally like has had it with how stupid uh, Nosk is, right? That's uh, oh yeah, because yeah. he's because he he says that Nosk is like being stop is stop being so stupid or whatever. And Nosk is like I'm not stupid, and that's that's what that's how they yeah, actually so start fighting. They point their guns at each other, yeah, and then yeah, um, yeah, a fun yeah a fun little scene, and then with a very fun like capper to that too where with which obviously it's it's you know it, continue, it continues to turn out he still can't quite get uh yeah what he thought he was going to be able to get yeah and so then then morn like comes back into the like oda's like oh yeah like morn just got here he faked his own death and um like kept all the money himself so that the other <laughs> and so they do this this funny thing where like morn comes in and, and sits down at the bar and quark's like wait explain to me like what just happened and then he's like no 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 don't say anything and then like quark kind of like explains like he's figured out everything and Morn just kind of nods yeah um, yeah and, yeah was... and i thought that that scene was was really like the way they kind of play around like having Morn still not say anything while like having a full conversation with quark and odo yeah uh yeah it's it's fun it's it's i don't know it's just like it's so just like again it's so goofy it's just so them being like get it because he can't talk but like I, I don't know it's like it's funny like it, it i can't yeah can't complain yeah but then but then it does turn out that quark does get a little bit of reward at the end uh, ultimately because they mentioned like offhandedly earlier on the episode right that 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 lurians have s- multiple stomachs oh that's right that's right yeah because quark was saying that he was sad that the morn's unpaid bar tab was so high because yeah, because he like fills up has, two stomachs. Yeah, because yeah, he drinks so much, and the, but then that's that's he ended up he had a latinum that he had just kept inside one of his stomachs, and so he yeah, gives, and so he like spit, spits it up into a cup and, and gives it to, gives it to Quark, and which is which is like like they say like what they, they, how much money is it because it's like he gives him like a little bit in a cup and it's still like a lot. It's of like a hundred, so. I think, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. A hundred bricks is like that's a lot. That's a lot of money, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's just like it's very silly. It's I think if you if you're not on board with it, maybe it's kind of stupid. I think I Kim I think liked episode five, but I think she was like, man, this is like this is a bit much. But I don't know. I I just was I was I yeah. was into it. I was curious if you would feel the same way because it's yeah, it's it's a little paint by numbers, but still like I think does it well and is. Like is is it's 
fun to watch. Yeah, I, it's not like one of my favorite episodes or anything of the show. I, I think that it does, like, a thing that hurts it a little bit is a thing that I think happens in a, that, that keeps a lot of Star Trek episodes from being, like, as good as they could be, which is that, like, in the middle, there's just kind of a lot of, like, business. Not that I, like, mm-hmm. not that I am, like, oh, I don't like any particular thing, but just, like, I'm, like, all right, there's a lot of, like, once you see what's the woman's name? Uh, is it Laurel? Yeah. It is Laurel. Yeah. yeah. So once once you see Laurel, um, and she's kind of like offering to partner up with with Quark, like then it just feels like there's a lot of time with of just like all right, well now there's this person, now there's this person, now this person's in the elevator, this person's doing this, where it's just kind of like, well, the episode is X long, and so. We, we need to, like, move some pieces around for a bit until we can get to the end of it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it. I don't think any of it is bad. Like, I think there's, like, some funny stuff in there, but it is a little bit, like, okay, like, I get it, you know. Yeah, there there definitely does become a point where you're just, like, I, I get what the, like, the bit is going to be, so, but you still have to, like, go through the motions of, do, of doing it, I guess. Yeah. I don't. I don't think will would pop up on my list, my personal list of like favorite DS Nine episodes. But I still yeah. think like a pretty, a pretty entertaining little morsel yeah. of Star Trek. So, how much have we talked about like the the sexual nature of Frangi ears on the show? Like, have, have we have we seen? I know we've referenced it, but have we seen an episode where like that's because like this this one they 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 talk about it like they talk about Umox. Which I think is just like Frangi yeah. for sex, but then, like, uh, there's multiple times where she's like stroking his ears and stuff, and it made me think about I can't I couldn't remember. Yeah, which they do. Yeah, I feel like the I I know we've it's been like kind of referenced before. Sure. I don't know that we've spent a lot of time on it, but how they're basically like the sort of erogenous zones of a Ferengi. Oh, you know what? I think actually we didn't we. There's one episode. It might actually be in the cards where. He's getting um, a feather dislodged out of his ear. That happens. That we watched that episode, didn't we? Uh, I remember. Yeah, I don't know which one it is, you, but I know but, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I think that's that's the implication there. So I guess we have talked about it a little bit before, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a lot else to say beyond that, though. I think it's it's very like not a lot of layers to this one, but it's still a fun little. Yeah. Um, well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we come out every other week. Now, this is our 99th episode, which means that... Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Which means next time we're going to be doing our 100th episode. And every time we, we hit like a multiple of 50, we are doing uh, a movie episode. So, we, yeah. uh, for our 100th episode, this seems very right. We are doing Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Yes. So, uh... If, feel free to watch along uh, with that and then come back in a couple weeks and we will be talking about that. I'm excited to have that conversation. It's going to be an interesting time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, and, that's and going to be fun. Kind of, a, you know, with with, uh, with the reveal that apparently um, Cybok is going to be on... Has been, yeah, like, it, canonically... Uh, mentioned for the first time since this movie, it may be, it may be a good a good time to be talking about it. So yeah, and it's one of the movies that just recently got um, its remaster. So it's it'll be on Paramount Plus in its new like better restored form. So oh nice yeah. 
Anyway, though, so come back in a couple weeks and hear us talk about that. In the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter at Contracts. You can even go to our website uh, at outofcontracts.podbean.com. You can follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. Or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also check out the other shows on the Kaleidoscope Media Podcast Network. There is That's Not How Science Works, which is a science and pop culture podcast. There is Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. And there is Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. So check it in for those folks out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.